most people have got there. Well, if you look at me now, uh, you would uh, probably not know that uh, once I used to sprint. And uh, because I'm a sprinter, my hat really goes off to those people who uh, engaged in the London Marathon last week and also in the Sheffield Half Marathon uh, last Sunday. Personally, I think that they're absolutely nuts, but I really admire their grit and determination, not only uh, in the race itself, but also in all the training that they had to do beforehand. There's a lot of pain and suffering at so many different levels, and that is why lesser mortals like me uh, would confine myself to uh, running 100 metres and 200 metres, not 20 miles. But one of the fascinating things about uh, marathons and half marathons are are the personal stories that often accompany those that are running, the reasons why they run, and the reasons for what kept them running to the end. And I think, in general, there are sort of two sorts of reasons. Firstly, is encouragement. The encouragement of those that went out training with them through the winter months, family, friends, all of those people that got them to the start line. And then, of course, on the day itself, when they're actually running through the streets of Sheffield or London, not only uh, the encouragement of their family and friends that have come down with them, but those that are running with them, encouraging them to keep going. And, of course, seeing the others that are going with you helps you to keep going too. And then there's the massive crowd. Every metre, another person cheering you on. Lots and lots of encouragement. And then second reason is often motivation. People enter marathons for many different reasons. To race, to get themselves to the top and the pinnacle of uh, athletics, to raise money for charity, or perhaps to race in memory of someone who had died. It's these kind of motivations that keep the runners going. Uh, This year, uh, one chap called Luke was motivated to uh, run around the London Marathon as quickly as he could. He aimed for three hours, he got under three hours, just so that he could propose to his uh, girlfriend, Yvette. She was what kept him going to the finishing line, and, uh, of course, the BBC were there just to capture the moment on TV. And, uh, just in case you wonder, uh, his labours were not in vain. Uh, She did say yes. Encouragement and motivation are important things in, in all sorts of areas of life, aren't they? Especially when we face hardships in trying to achieve our goals. We often get uh, asked to do things that we wouldn't naturally choose to do, which often have great cost to us. And I think we often find this in the Christian life, don't we? We are asked by God to do things, often at great cost. If you were with us uh, last week in uh, Philippians in the evening, you'd have uh, listened as we looked at at, as we heard read and then preached, uh, verses 7 to 11 of chapter 1. They're verses that speak of partnership in the gospel, a partnership that all of us enjoy with every other Christian, not just here in Forward, but throughout the world. A partnership founded on the gospel of grace, showed by love with one another, but also shown in that partnership of taking the gospel out to the world and winning souls and all of it for the glory of God. And yet, whilst the first parts of that message about being in partnership with one another, that's great news, isn't it? About having people who should love us and we should love them. 
And of course about uh, giving God glory through what we do. That all sounds fantastic. But when it comes to us being in partnership and, and winning souls for God, stepping out of our comfort zones and speaking for Jesus, well, I guess for all of us that fills us with dread, doesn't it? Because all of us find that difficult. It takes us out of our comfort zone. We find it hard to do. And I think we often worry about uh, the consequences of what will happen to us when we do that. And we, we worry about those consequences far more than the consequences that face the people that we, we should be talking to if we don't tell them about Jesus. And I think that's why this next part of Paul's letter to the Philippians that we're looking at tonight is so helpful because it encourages us to be those who will partner one another in speaking the gospel to the lost. We find here two things. One, something about encouragement. The other is something about motivation. Both of them to advance the gospel. Both of them are going to be surprising, but both of them will help us to play our part, your part and my part, in advancing the gospel side by side together. And the first of them is this. The gospel advances in spite, in spite of hostile circumstances. Let me say that again. The gospel advances in spite of hostile circumstances. And because of that, because of that, we should be encouraged. Verse 12 is a surprise. Paul says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. If we didn't know otherwise, we might think that Paul was speaking about a great time of mission that he has just had. Something perhaps akin to a Passion for Life mission that we've just had, or, or Free Runner, or another time of uh, outreach. You can read about both of those in the New Church Family News. Quick plug for that. Have a look. It's really encouraging. Hear about things that have been going on. We might think that Paul is talking about that. But the reality is that Paul is in jail in Rome. Verse 13, he speaks that about being in chains for Christ. In worldly terms, it might appear that Paul has lost everything. He's lost his freedom, his family. He's lost his church family, his friends, potentially even his life. In worldly terms, his position really doesn't look that hopeful at all, does it? It does not look like a good place to advance the gospel from. Here is Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. He can't get out of his cell. He can't preach the gospel freely. He can't lead the church. He can't really encourage the church. In short, you'd think that this was the end of his ministry and usefulness. And the surprise is that Paul turns around to them and says, No, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He doesn't see things the way that the world does, does he? In fact, he sees it totally the opposite way. You see, he says that actually by being in chains, it hasn't hindered the gospel, it hasn't been neutral, it's actually been positive for the gospel, it served to advance it. And I think this is a huge encouragement to us, isn't it? We often feel that our circumstances 
are going to be something that will hinder the gospel. We often think that the circumstances that we have been placed in will somehow be unproductive for the gospel. We look around us and we think, well, the situation I'm in is really hopeless. There's no way that God can do anything here. But you see, Paul speaks from probably the worst situation out from jail. And he says, it's not true. It's not true. Uh, During the uh, years of intense communism of the past century, it was a surprise to many that the church in Eastern Europe wasn't stamped out. In fact, it emerged stronger, stronger than many of the churches in the Western world. It was vibrant, it was hungry to grow. Uh, I found that myself in uh, 1988, sorry, 1998, when uh, I was privileged to organise a conference for Christians and the military throughout Europe. Amazingly, it happened in Poland. And I was struck that we had far more people come from Eastern Europe than from Western Europe. We had a a whole host of people come down from Latvia. They travelled down in a a minibus, which really looked as though it was on its last legs. It took them 48 hours of continual travel to get there, to spend 48 hours with us, learning about being servants of the Gospel and proclaiming the Gospel before they went home afterwards. Those were men who knew what it was to love the Lord Jesus and want to reach the lost. The gospel was alive and well. And to be honest, their enthusiasm for the gospel showed us up. The same is true in China, behind the bamboo curtain, still one of the least hospitable places for Christians to live in the world today. And yet the gospel advances even though they are in hostile circumstances. And Paul says here, we should not be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised for two reasons. Firstly, when we see in verse 13, we see that Paul has witnessed where he is. That is why we shouldn't be surprised. Verse 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. You can almost imagine Paul's joy as he recounts this. Because far from as it were, being sort of cut out of gospel ministry, his imprisonment has opened up a whole new avenue for evangelism. You see, Paul wasn't chained to some sort of wall like this wall behind me. He was chained to a physical person. Wonderful. Walls haven't got ears. Well, they used to in Eastern Europe, but they haven't nowadays in most places in the world. Walls haven't got ears. Walls haven't got hearts. Walls aren't people. Paul was chained to a physical Roman soldier. So what happened? Every four hours, there was a changing of the guard. Not like at Buckingham Palace, but one Roman centurion would come in and take the place of another one. And so Paul had another new person to talk to about Jesus. That's how Paul thinks about it. He witnesses where he is. A new person. And of course, what happened? Paul says here, the whole palace guard, the praetorium, probably 9,000 people have heard why Paul is in jail. And the reason is Paul's in jail. He's chained not because he's a criminal. He's chained not for crimes, but for Christ. You see, as Paul's chained there, he doesn't see his chains as manacles that are chafing his wrists. 
He sees those chains as opportunities for the gospel. He may be limited where he can go, but God brings people to him. God opens up avenues for him. Doesn't that bring a smile to your lips? Doesn't that make you smile? How God has has worked in the most unpromising of circumstances. The gospel advances even where we would think it would not. Far from prohibiting the gospel, Paul's circumstances have actually progressed it. When Paul writes to the Romans in his letter, in verse 17, Paul says that the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. And here we see God at work, mightily. Not just some soldiers have heard, but the whole, the whole of the guard have heard. God is at work mightily and powerfully as his gospel is spoken. And you know what? If, if the gospel is alive and God is alive at work in that jail, then he can certainly be alive at work in Sheffield County, in the relative freedom that we enjoy in this country and that we will, are praying that we will continue to enjoy. That's a great encouragement, isn't it? As we see it happen there, Well, it encourages us to get on with it here, doesn't it? To believe that the opportunities, the places where God has placed us are opportunities for the gospel. It encourages us to to look around for other Christians, to get into gospel partnership with them, to see the gospel advance where we are, in our places of work, at school, looking for those opportunities at uni and in our neighbourhoods. And just look at the effect of Paul's actions as we continue through this passage. We see also another reason for why Paul says his chains have advanced the gospel. And it's there in verse 14. It's quite simply this. Paul's witness encourages other believers. Verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You see, Paul's witness in his circumstances boosts the confidence of other believers all over the place. The overwhelming response of the Christians in Rome is not doom and gloom, but it's encouragement to speak the word of God more courageously and boldly. We acknowledged just now, didn't we, that the gospel went out powerfully. The power of the gospel to advance even in hostile circumstances. Now we see that actually God enables and encourages other Christians. So not only is the gospel itself powerful to work in different situations, but as we see it working in difficult situations, we ourselves are encouraged to take it out ourselves. In verse 12 and 13, we see confidence in the message. Here, we are given confidence ourselves as messengers. Just think about it. Uh, Just think about your situation in which you spend most of your time. It may be for some of us, it may be at school. Some of us, it may be at home. Some of us, it may be at, at work or whatever we do. Just think about those situations. And it is so encouraging when you see another Christian just popping their head above the parapet saying, I'm here, I'm living for Jesus. Isn't that encouraging? When you see somebody else doing that, it makes you want to do it yourself. I I remember 
on uh, warships. I, I rarely had another Christian on board ship. Sometimes there were 200 or so of us, and uh, there may be one other Christian. And it was so encouraging when we'd either meet up or, or when I'd just see him at the corner of my eye or her, just talking about Jesus. I'd just overhear it. I saw them flying the flag for Christ, and that encouraged me to be more bold and more confident in my own evangelism. I'm sure that would be for you, wouldn't it? Just imagine if if you just poked your head above the parapet where you spend most of your time. What an encouragement it would be to other Christians around you to do exactly the same. Very soon, other people would follow suit. I remember exactly that happened during a Passion for Life visiting. A number of people went out in the first week and came back and said, look, actually, we've had a really tough time. But you know what? Even though some people were quite hostile to us, we were encouraged to keep on going. And you know what? When they came back here and they told us about what they'd done, other people, far from being put off, were also encouraged And they came back the next night to do it again. Seeing others doing it, seeing others having hostile experiences helps us and encourages us to speak more courageously and fearlessly. I think it's always good to to have a Christian biography on the go. I wonder if any of you have got a a Christian biography on the go at the moment. I I stopped via the church centre to pick up a, a copy of a book called A Fistful of Heroes. And uh, there was a copy uh, on the bookstore this past week, I think one or two copies actually, and uh, I wanted to pick it up because it looks slightly different to my version. I wanted to hold up a book that looks like the book that I was going to encourage you to pick up. Uh, This book is called A Fistful of Heroes, Weak People Made Strong, and it's biographies of all sorts of Christians uh, throughout the last few centuries about how they stood tall for Christ and spoke up for Christ in very difficult situations. And uh, I want to encourage you to get a biography, a Christian biography, and be encouraged by it. This one I really like. Uh, I'll I'll encourage Kate to see if she can get some more copies of it. Because it's just, uh, I think it's something like 16 or 18. No, it's not. It's 28 28, uh, biographies in something like 300 pages. So each biography is about 10 pages long, but each is gold for encouragement. 10 pages to encourage us to live more courageously and boldly for Jesus. Good read. Encourage you to do that. Alternatively, you could just turn to the church press. Uh, Just listen to this uh, from Pakistan this month. A man burned for refusing to convert died of his injuries on March the 22nd. His wife remains hospitalised after being raped, allegedly at the hands of police. This man and his wife were assaulted outside a local police station after their employer, a wealthy Muslim family, demanded that they convert or face dire consequences. Clearly they stood tall for Christ. Now we may be stunned as we hear that, but I hope and pray that that will help us to stand tall for Christ where we are, to refuse to put our heads below the parapet and remain hidden, to fly the flag for Christ. I hope that will encourage us. I hope that will encourage you 
encourage you to, to work together. You may know Christians at work. Just go and give them a nudge and say, look, hang on a second. How can we help one another to do this? To encourage one another in it? That must surely be a great aim for this week, mustn't it? A great cause for rejoicing as we see one another courageously doing that. And that's where Paul moves on in the second half of our passage this evening to verses 15 through to 18. We see Paul rejoicing. Why? Well, because the gospel advances in spite of false motives. We've already seen it advances even though there's a hostile environment, but now we see it advance even though people are speaking the gospel with false motives. There are all sorts of uh, motives as to why people run marathons. There isn't really a wrong motive as far as I can see. But there can be wrong motives with regards to preaching the gospel. Paul here mentions in verse 15, he says, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Now it's worth saying here that uh, these wrongly motive people weren't actually preaching another gospel. They aren't actually preaching something different than Christ crucified. They're actually preaching exactly the same gospel as Paul is preaching. Otherwise, Paul would not have said they they were preaching Christ. Now you see, whether from good motives or impure motives, the gospel is going out. What's happening with these people who are preaching with wrong motives, we're not quite sure, but we can kind of imagine a little bit from what Paul says, that they're speaking out of envy and rivalry. They're saying things like, oh Paul, well look, forget Paul. If he really was kind of God's servant, if he was God's apostle, then he wouldn't have ended up in jail, would he? God would have kept it out of jail. No, we're the real people for taking the gospel forward. Or perhaps uh, people were building a foundation for their own ministry, for themselves, and saying, look, look at us. Look at what we're doing for Christ. Look at Paul. He's doing absolutely nothing. It might have been out of some sort of financial gain. We're not quite sure. But it was certainly out of envy and jealousy and rivalry. By contrast, verse 16, there are some who are doing it out of love. Out of love. That's what we saw last week was one of the uh, true measures of gospel partnership. Some were doing it out of love. They realised why Paul was in jail. They didn't laugh at him. They loved him. They prayed for him. Now let's be clear here that uh, Paul isn't saying that uh, motives don't matter. This isn't a marathon race. No, motives do matter. But Paul here isn't concerned with that and with rebuking people who are doing that. What he is wanting to emphasise here is that regardless of people's motives, the gospel is still going out. God is being amazingly, amazingly gracious. People are still being saved, even though people are using the gospel and preaching the gospel as an opportunity for doing Paul down. God is using flawed and imperfect people to take the gospel out. And that's, that's a huge relief, isn't it? Flawed and imperfect people, that's us, isn't it? God uses people like us to take the gospel out. But what may this kind of, sort of, flawed motive look like? Well, we, we need to recognise, don't we, first off, just as I've said, that, that none of us is perfect. We're all sinners. 
we're all liable of having wrong motives for any kind of gospel evangelism or gospel partnership. But let's just take a look from, from the large scale to the small scale. Church leaders certainly aren't immune. Uh, when I was uh, in another diocese, I remember vividly how a, a local minister became the subject of great opposition from the diocese. They were opposed to what he was doing, to how he was going about a church ministry, and how he was advancing the gospel. In time, they took away his, his license, technically his, uh, his right to preach the gospel, and then what happened was that all the other so-called evangelicals around started to get in on the act. They started to give him a hard time in the press. They started to try and belittle him and try and elevate themselves to make them look good, to attract a following to them and to their churches rather than to him. It was a great surprise. One or two of them had been at theological college with me and would have stood with me and do stand with me on the gospel. But it needn't just be between uh, church leaders. It can happen in uh, churches too. It may well be alive here, and it probably is alive here in Christ Church Forward. It can happen when uh, members of staff, perhaps misguidedly, try to attract people to help them out in their kind of ministry. They see other ministries perhaps going uh, rather smoothly, and we might just be tempted to say, well, actually, look, you don't want to go and help them out. Come and help me. Come and help me out. Or perhaps let's take it down to the small scale now. Uh, you might belong to a small group, and uh, your small group seems to be sort of dwindling a bit, and you may see another small group that is getting bigger and bigger and seemingly doing great things. And then suddenly that small group encounters a setback. And it's easy, isn't it, then to be pleased and to talk about that rather than to pray for them. Or perhaps it might be that uh, a certain group of people seem to be really good at getting people to come to events that they put on. And you often feel sort of quite insignificant that you can't do that kind of thing. And then they trip up, an event doesn't go quite so well and according to plan. And it's easy sometimes, isn't it, to find ourselves just sort of pointing the finger and almost smiling and laughing at them. Or perhaps you might notice that someone that you often see around church is always being asked to do things and you aren't being asked to do things. And something perhaps goes wrong for them. And then it's easy just to try and sort of do them down so that you elevate yourself and you give yourself greater prominence. You see, Paul says here, that isn't supposed to be the way that we're supposed to go about gospel partnership, building ourselves up and pulling others down. He says it's supposed to be a totally different mindset, but we are all human, we are sinners, and these things will happen. And what does Paul do about it? Verse 18. He says, what does it matter the most important thing is that the gospel continues to advance. Whether from false motives or from true, Christ is preached. You see, we can, we can often find ourselves in a situation like that. We can find ourselves perhaps uh, somebody talking ill of us at church life. 
And it can be easy for us just to go like that. But actually, Paul says, rejoice because that person's doing a gospel work. And though they may be having mixed motives in doing it, though they may be taking a snip at me or a snipe at somebody else, we must delight that the gospel is going out. And let's not get into this thing where the gospel's advance is hindered by us taking issue with people over that. So you see, this is the second surprising truth about the gospel, is that it goes out also in spite of mixed motives. God's gospel is not conditioned by how we go about evangelism, by how we go about trying to advance the gospel. And that is a huge relief, isn't it? That is a great encouragement, because it means that we can get on and tell it. Because I can tell you, I just as well as you, We'll have mixed motives going about it. Uh, I'll see someone on the street and I'll notice perhaps that there's somebody from Christ Church forward just walking down the road. And that will prompt me to go and speak to somebody about Jesus. Because they're coming. I guess you might do the same. But praise be to God that actually, although my motives are impure, the gospel is still going out. You see, two surprising truths here. It shows us our own weakness and it shows us also our weakness too in the situations we find ourselves. That in spite of the situations we find ourselves in, however difficult they may look, the gospel advances. God continues to take it out bit by bit by bit. That's great news, isn't it? Isn't that an encouragement? Whatever situation you find yourself in tomorrow morning, good or bad, God will use it So let's be encouraged. Let's go out and do it. And also, whatever motives we may have this week for going about gospel ministry, for going about evangelism, God will still use it because it is his gospel. It is his power of salvation for the whole world. Let's pray.